Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. If you were here last week, I showed you a throwback picture of me in all of my wrestling glory. At 89 pounds in eighth grade, I showed you the muscular version of, well, okay. So anyway, if you missed that, I'm sorry. I, don't, I feel so bad for you. That was probably one of life's experiences you needed to have, but it's too late. You missed it. You'll have to go back and watch online. So I just thought it would be fair that since I showed a, a picture of me in middle school, I thought it would only be right and only would be fair if I also showed you a picture of Julie in middle school when her mother curled her hair and dyed it red so that she could play the part of Annie. So here, let me show you this picture right now of Julie in middle school right there. It's not there because I'm not stupid. <laughs> you just received the best marriage counseling in the world, guys. Use wisdom. I'm not that dumb. I don't like hard knocks, and she would kill me if I should. So if you, that, that actually happened. So if you need to see that picture, all you have to do is go convince her to show you that picture. Okay, so good luck. Anyway, um, but I do believe that Annie had it right when she sung the lyrics to It's a Hard Knock Life. Here, here, here's some of the lyrics. So, instead of treated, we get tricked. Instead of kisses, we get kicked. It's the hard knock life. Don't it feel like the wind is always howling? Don't it seem like there's never any light? Once a day, don't you want to throw the talent? It's easier than putting up a fight. No one's there when your dreams at night get creepy. No one cares if you grow up or if you shrink. No one dries your eyes when they get wet and weepy. From all the crying, you would think this place would sink. Empty belly life, rotten smelly life, full of, sounds like doom and despair and agony, different verse. Full of sorrow life, no tomorrow life, Santa Claus we never see. Santa Claus, what's that? Who's he? No one cares for you a smidge. When you're in an orphanage, it's the hard knock life. I said last week that uh, too often in our version of Christianity here in the American society and in the Western, Western world, what is literally taking place is that churches have become orphanages. People don't know who they are in Christ, and so they bring all this baggage with them. And we begin to talk about the fact that uh, this life produces hard knocks. That song kind of sums it up. It seems like that's reality. I, I, I mentioned to you that I recognize there are three reasons that we experience hard knocks in life. The first is that, like it or not, we have to admit we live in a fallen world. Bad things happen to good people because of sin. I get that. We suffer sin-inflicted wounds all the time. We live in a fallen world, y'all. It's not going to be perfect because sin entered the world. Right, So we know that. I, I don't diminish that fact. I understand that fact. The second reason I mentioned to you is a lot of times we experience hard knocks because people treat us wrong, because they're fallen. Oh, just me and a couple others have ever experienced somebody lie on you, cheat on you, talk bad about you. The, only, the reason that happens is because they're fallen and things are 
And so it's, we, we suffer hard knocks inflicted by others. But I am convinced, I am still convinced, you can't convince me any otherwise that this morning or any other week, the reason that most of us are enduring and endure hard knocks in our life is because they're self-inflicted. Okay, I'm just going to preach about me this morning. Instead of saying we, I'll say I, so you'll feel comfortable. I make stupid decisions sometimes. Yeah, I, 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 I make dumb choices. I, I do things I shouldn't do. I don't use wisdom in moments. I don't keep my mouth shut at moments. And because of that, I experience hard knocks. And we do that because we're operating on the same principles that the enemy taught us, even from the early days in the garden. He taught us to operate in self-will, to exalt ourselves, to enthrone ourselves, and then finally to elevate ourselves so that we want to become like God. We, we literally take on the mantra of the enemy that causes his fall when we say, I want to be like God, and so I'll make my own decisions, my own choices and the results are pain, and we walk around with self-inflicted, broken hearts, and it's because we do it to ourselves. And so I, I, I want to figure out then, how do we fix this? I don't think I'm the only one. If I'm the only one, then I need to stop preaching this series right now, but I don't think I'm the only one. I think the rest of us, all of us, are, are all in the same boat. We do stupid stuff. How do we fix this? How do we, how do we live a life in such a manner that we don't experience not hard knocks that we don't have to experience? And I would, con- I would submit to you that I'm convinced that the way we fix that is the same way we mess it up. We simply change chairs. Let me see if I can help you out. I want, to, I want to take you to two passages of Scripture, one in the New Testament. I'm going to read them out of order. I'm going to go New Testament and Old Testament and show you a couple of accounts that are similar in, in their scope. And there's one particular thing about both accounts that I really don't like that I'm going to point out to you because I think this is the crux of what we need to learn here today. We need to understand this so that we operate from the right chair. Here it is. In Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 13, it says this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Now, slow down right here. I'm going to slow down right here. Listen to what happens. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son who I love. With him I am well pleased. Uh, similar scripture that I found uh, in Genesis. It's, that one was about Jesus. This was, is about man. It's about us, if you will. Genesis chapter 1 uh, it happens here. You know this account. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Then in Genesis chapter 1, here's the part that is like the passage I've already read to you. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, listen to what happens. God saw all that. This is right after he creates man and woman. God saw all that he had made, and he makes this declaration, and it was very good. And there's a similarity that I don't like in these passages that I need to bring to your attention this morning. May I submit to you that when I reread what happened in the garden, that that God announces his pleasure, his stamp of approval, if you will, on the creation of man and woman. And he says it's very good. And here it is. 
They've done nothing. They haven't done a thing. They haven't, they haven't multiplied. They haven't been fruitful. They've not even named a giraffe a giraffe. It's just that big thing with long neck right now. They haven't named him yet. They've literally done nothing. And yet God says, it's very good. I don't, uh, but then I go to the New Testament and Jesus shows up and John baptizes him in water. And the Bible says that the heavens open up and a dove comes down and ascends on him like the Spirit of God, like a dove, ascends on him. And words come out of the heavenly. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Wait just a second. Here's the similarity I don't like. Jesus had done nothing. No one has been healed. No blind eyes have been opened. No lame people are walking. No water has been walked on. No, no wind has been stopped. Jesus hasn't, he hasn't raised anybody from the dead. He's literally done nothing. And yet, God speaks and says, I'm pleased with him. Jesus receives God's stamp of approval. He'd done nothing. Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve have done nothing, and they receive the, the, the same approval. Acceptance is given. Protection is given. Provision is given. Simply because of one simple fact, the same fact for Adam, the same fact for Jesus. Here it is. God sees them as his son. I submit to you that the truth of that acceptance is something that we must grasp. It is the truth that is literally the target of hard knocks. The reason that the enemy wants you to experience the hard knocks that you're experiencing perhaps in your life right now is simply because he is on the attack trying to get you to fail to recognize that you are God's son. You say, well, wait a minute, hold the bus. That was about Adam, and I'm not Adam, and that was about Jesus, and I'm certainly not Jesus. Hang on just a second. I'm coming for you right now. Because I want to read a passage of Scripture to you, to you that quotes Jesus. It's his words. In John chapter 1, beginning in verse 11, Jesus says, he's, he's, it says, Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not. Listen. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So if you do what cannot be who I need to be on my own, so I stop and I recognize that Jesus needs to become my Lord and my Savior, and I sacrifice my life to him, I submit my life to him, the, by, Jesus himself says in that moment, he does more than just become your Savior. In that moment, you have the power now to be seen and accepted as a son or daughter of God. So when we read about what happened to Adam and when we read about what happened to Jesus and we read John chapter 1 and he makes those statements, then it's talking about us that we have been accepted. There's a stamp of approval on our life. God sees us as his son. I, I figured I can't even get any excitement in a room where 
if we recognize that, then we would understand that we live differently. We operate differently. We begin to experience hard knocks when we move out of the, that chair of sonship into the chair of self. We never see that chair change happen in Jesus' life because he lived perfectly. But what we do see is we see in almost, if not all, every other Bible character that is in the canopy of Scripture, you see them move out of the chair of son into the chair of self, and you see the, the repercussions of that, and that is hard knocks. Okay, so, so we just have to learn then and discern then that if we can make an assessment in our life and recognize which chair we're, we're sitting in, that we have the ability to influence and impact whether or not we experience the ramifications of those choices. Okay, it's quiet up in here. I had a really hard time reading first service. I think it's because we got to, I, I, I'm not taking that as you don't understand. I think it is that we have to wrestle with this. I, I said this in the first, I'm going to say it again. This perhaps, I may be wrong, but this perhaps may be the most important lesson, message, sermon, insight that I have ever given to you. That's saying something. We've been together almost 16 years. But when we fail to grasp who we are, that you will remember from last week I said that the, 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 the implications of me getting slammed on my head was I no longer knew who I was. That is why the enemy is on the attack trying to come against you is he's trying to rattle you at the core of who you are. So you no longer understand. You no longer understand your identity. Don't get it twisted. All you got to do is watch TV right now and recognize that the enemy is on the war path. Why do you, it's not a coincidence. The reason there's so much struggle with identity right now is it's the enemy trying to rattle us at the core of who we are so we don't know. All right, so, 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 so uh, I, want to, uh, I want to challenge you. I'm going to try to slow down a little bit because I get in a hurry. I want to challenge you then. That as you, as I get ready, to, I'm, I'm going to try to do this in a way that makes it very plain for us to understand so we can identify how we're living. I need you to take a moment during some part of this and, and assess your own life. Don't assess your spouse's wife, your life. Don't, 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 don't assess your neighbor. Don't assess your, your coworker. Assess your life, because I'm assessing my life, and I want to see, am I experiencing hard knocks because I'm in the wrong chair? Come on, Pastor Andrew, will you help me? Let's set these chairs up, because I need you to see what happens. I want us to understand that we have a choice to make. We have to sit in the right chair. So this chair that I have represents the chair of sonship. This is the chair that we start off on. I don't know if you got saved today. You got saved in 1922. It doesn't really matter. Um, the length of your relationship has no bearing on this. I'm talking about the start date. I got saved when I was, I think, five years old. So when I was five years old and I came to the conclusion that I needed Christ as my Savior, at that moment, I take my place in the chair of being a son of God. The rest of my life, if I'm not careful, what I struggle with is I move to this chair. And the results are not good. 
I'm preaching right now. <laughs> so here we go. Let's, let, let's see if I can help you. I'm going to identify. Th- so if you are sitting in the chair of being a son, you will operate in trust. I trust him. His track record is true. I have come to the conclusion because I've tried him over and over again that he's been faithful, that I can trust him, that I don't have to doubt his word. I can live on his word. Even if he never does anything else, I can trust him. When my world is rattled all around me and there's turmoil and chaos, welcome to our world, all around us, I can stay seated in this chair because I trust him. Here's the problem. When we move out of this chair and we go to self, what happens is we begin to try. I don't trust him anymore. I'm over here on my own now, and I got to try to make things work. I got to try to accomplish things on my own. I can't really trust him. I got to try on my own. If I'm over there, I trust him, and I let him chart the course of my life. But in this chair, I am in charge, so I have to try to make it work. I got to take matters into my own hands. I I, got to do this on my own. Over here, it is about grace. Over here, it is about works. I'm going to do this on my own. There's a second one. Here here it is. In this chair, I receive. You know all those promises in that book that you have on your phone now? All those promises that God has given us? As sons and daughters of God, in this chair, I just receive them. I just receive them. Why? Because he's my father. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. But over here, I don't receive. Over here, when I sit down in the chair of self, you know what I have to do? I have to achieve. So now, in order for me to be blessed, I have to worship enough And I have to pray enough. And I have to read enough. And I have to be good enough. And I can't react wrong in the drive-thru because if I do, then I won't get the blessings of God because I have to work for these things. And when when I've been saved about 19 years Two months, three days, I'll be good enough and I will have earned, I will have been, I will have gotten my attendance awards at church. I will have the right number of Christian t-shirts. And when I get the formula just right, I will achieve and then my father will bless me. In this chair, healing is a promise. When I'm trying to achieve, healing is a problem. Because it's no longer based on Jesus' stripes. It's, on, it's based on me doing enough. I'm preaching. Okay. In this chair, as a son, I act like Jesus. So I only do, he, said, he made the statement. Jesus said, you will only see me doing what the Father is doing. Therefore, if I'm going to do what the Father did, I need to ask God before I do. But in this chair, this is what we do. I will do, and then I will ask God to bless. Because it's no longer about his will, it's about my will. I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And then, oh, wait a minute, I'm a Christian. Hang on just a second. I probably ought to ask God to bless what I'm doing. Rather than finding out what he's doing and getting involved in that, 
I will do what I want to do and ask him to bless me while I do that because it's not about what God wants. It's about what I want. <laughs> and we don't like that because then we don't get to do what we want to do according to our preference and comfort zone. We have to check in first. Y'all ain't helping me. Y'all ain't helping me. Y'all left me all up here by myself. I vividly remember an instance in college where I needed a car. I can still take you to the place. I found me the coolest little, y'all, y'all this is, ooh, I'm going to show my age. The coolest little tricked out S10 pickup. This is how cool it was. It was, it was like you see in the rapper videos. It had the color scheme and it was on bags and you could lower it down. It was so cool. I made up my mind I was going to buy that thing. I didn't even pray about it. I am convinced now that if I'd have bought that truck, because I never started there, that I would have paid the price. Hard knocks. That thing would have broke down on me every day because it was a Chevy. <laughs> no, seriously, that's how we operate. I'm going to date who I want to date. Oh, there, I found him in the club, but God, could you please? Could you please? Don't let them act like they act in the club. I'm going to bring them to church. This is exactly what we do. I'm going to buy this thing. I know I can't afford it. But then I'm going to need you to bail me out. Wrong chair. On this one, when you sit in this chair, this is what you do. You focus on what God is doing and he has done. I'm convinced that when you sit in the chair of sonship, you live your life like this, that God made that happen. He's so faithful to me. I, I, every time I, I open the mail and there's a card in there, every time somebody blesses, I'm, I'm like, man, this, being the son, one of the God's sons is so awesome. He's always providing me. I'm, I'm not controlled by what's going on around me. I'm not freaking out because I'm his son. And he's, I, if his eyes are on the sparrow and if he closed the lilies, of, uh, then he's going to take care of me and I trust him, I trust him, I trust him. But over here, you know what we do? We focus on what God hasn't done. I go, I go, I, 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 I live in a garden filled with beautiful trees and fruit. And I, and I reckon, although I don't think, oh, never mind, uh, that fruit's that great. But anyway, uh, it, trees like with T-bone steaks hanging off of them. And, and, but, I, but this is what happens when I move out of that chair. I come and sit over here and I go, I can eat all the trees but one. He's, he's helped me in so many ways. But you know what he hasn't done? He hasn't healed me. This is how we focus when we're in the wrong chair. He's, he's answered all these prayers for all these years, but the one thing he hasn't done, that's what we think about. He didn't pay that bill. He didn't fix that relationship. He didn't do that miracle. He didn't. And we focus on what he didn't done because we're in, hasn't done because we're in the wrong chair. Over here, we're complete. Because I'm a son, I'm so complete that when I see God blessing you, 
and answering the prayer, the same prayer that you prayed that I prayed. And he answers your prayer and not mine. I'm so complete that from this chair, I go, you know what? I'm so thankful for you. And I'm so excited for you. And I'm so happy for you. And thank God. In fact, you probably haven't even thanked him yet. I will thank him for you. Because I'm complete. Favor of God resting on your life. It's like everything you touch turns to gold. People want to hear you sing. People want to hear you preach. And I sit here and go, get them, man. Over here, I'm not complete. I compete. So here's the truth. Here's the dirty little underbelly secret that we don't talk about in, in church. Most of us sitting in this chair right here, we secretly hope God doesn't answer your prayers. Because if he answers your prayers, we're afraid that he'll miss our prayer. Ooh. The dirty little secret from this chair is this. I'm secretly wishing that you fail. Because if you don't fail, people will clap for you. And people will give you a title. And people will let you. Wrong chair. In this chair, we operate out of faith. I'm a son. And I know God desires to do good. In fact, his word tells me that he wants to prosper me. So I have faith. In fact, I actually believe what we sung. That he can do miracles in the impossible. Anything is possible with him. I am convinced that what I sing is a reality. That we're going to see miracles. I have faith in him. But when you're in the wrong chair, you don't operate out of faith. You know how you operate? Fear. 95% of everything we are afraid of that we worry about never even actually happens. But we spend all of our time afraid because that spirit of fear grabs us and it clouds our perspective and it causes us to act differently and we begin to act like orphans. Like we got a father that doesn't care about us. So, so what's going on around us begins to take root in us and it does this. It begins, us, it begins this to cause us to question God. Does he really love us? Does he really understand? Does he even know where I am? Does he have enough? Is he really good? Is he really full of grace? Over here, and this flows out of our faith or fear, over here we operate out of commitment. I am committed to him whether he ever does anything else. His track record has been so good and he's been so faithful to me and he's been so generous to me and he saved me and he grafted me in and he adopted me that now I am committed to him and no sacrifice is too great, no call is too hard. Whatever he wants, here I, oh, we sung this. Here I am, I'm available. But when you move chairs, you end up over here in the chair of compromise. When Abraham operated in faith, everything was good. But in chair number two, out of self, he, he lost his commitment and he compromised. Ishmael was birthed out of chair number two. 
Because what happens in this chair is we begin to think like this. If God doesn't, didn't do what I wanted him to do when I wanted him to do it and how I wanted him to do it, then I will do it myself. I will take matters into my own hands and I will make it happen and I really don't care what the result is for me, the cost is for my family, the cost is for my kids, the cost is for my church. I just got to do me because I've compromised because I no longer am committed. In this one, I operate out of relationship. I am a son. So what happens in this one is I understand and I, and I live in this. I live in love rather than legalism. I'm, I'm getting ready to mess with you a little bit. If you've asked Jesus to become your Lord and Savior, boy, you're going to freak out right here. You're enough. You are in relationship. So I come to church. You know why I come to church? Some of y'all think it's to see you, and I love seeing you. In fact, Scripture says that we should worship together. It'd be kind of boring every Sunday without you. But you want to know why I really come to church? I'm in a relationship with him, and I look forward to spending some time with him. Because when I'm not operating out of relationship, I move over here and I operate out of rules. It's all about legalism. In fact, you know what happens in this chair? You become comfortable with power, but not love. So out of this chair, what we do is we go, God, use me, but I don't really care if I really know you. Sound like Samson to you? All his life, he was used by God. Go read your word. It says the Spirit of God came over him, but he never lived like a son. It was about living as a Nazarite, keeping the rules. I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit is massaging this in. Over here, it's about the light. Over here, it's about duty. So this is how it happens. When, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in reverse order. When I live out of duty, this is what I think. Man, I have to go to church. Don't you know it's 50-something degrees and a wind blowing? And I have to go to church. Dog. I stayed out late last night, but I got to go to church. And when I get here, I guess I got to worship. I don't even like that song. They repeat it too much. I have to give. Okay. I guess I will. Don't want to. I got some stuff I could spend that money on. I got to forgive people. They're jerks. I don't even like people. Church would be great if it wasn't for people. I got to serve I just want to come. Just let me do my hour. Let me do my hour. Check the box. Let me go home. Because that's what I got to do. I got to read my Bible. I don't understand it. It's weird. I got to pray. 
But when I move over to here, something happens in me, and this is how I begin to do. I get to go to church. I get to spend time in the presence of the God of the universe, and he, I, I have an audience with him. I get, I get to forgive people. I get to give. You mean if I give my 10%, God multiplies my 90% and it goes further? I get to do that? I get to fund what God is doing in the earth? I get to participate in what God is accomplishing in the earth? My, my measly little $20 tithe is actually funding missionaries all across the planet. My $100 a month is literally feeding people that could. I get to do that. I get to read his word like it's a love letter to me. So when I open it, it's like God is speaking directly to me. I get to spend time in prayer where God, God and I get to talk. I don't have to wait on a priest. I don't have to wait on a, a, a surrogate. I get to go to God face to face and he talks to me. I get to serve I get to open the door for people that can open the door for themselves. I get to, I get to take care of the rugrats. I get to put push, put push buttons on a soundboard. I get to do that as my little part of telling God how much I love him. It's a delight. If you ever get up on a Sunday morning, and you say, man, I got to go to church. Boom, you're in the wrong chair. I, I, it's my, I was assigned. I didn't want to accept it on planning center, but they didn't have anybody else, so I guess I'm going to go make some coffee. I'd rather sleep in 15 more minutes. <gasps> Boom. You're in the wrong chair. Wrong chair. Wrong chair. Last but not least, most important, because this is the crux of the matter, in this chair, I know who I am. I listened, this is years ago, I listened, we used to sing this song, Israel Houghton, who's one of my favorite, anyway, um, used to sing this song, and we sung it here, and I, we sung it all, I heard it almost every church I went to, and people got mad, I heard some of y'all get mad, we would sing, I know who I am, well, dadgummit, you better know who you are, if you don't know who you are, he can rattle you to your core. I want you to know who you are. Because if you don't know who you are, this is what you'll do. You'll move over to this one where you're always trying to figure out who you are. So now, here, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. I'm, we're going to get here, not next week because we got a guest, but the following week we're coming back to this. There is a major identity crisis in our world because people don't know who they are. Why do you think people can sit, sit around and go, I, today I'm going to identify as a dog? They're in the wrong chair. Wrong chair. Because when you're in this chair, let me tell you what happens. You wonder and you wander. I'm going to say it again so you, you understand the difference. You wonder who you are and you wander trying to figure out and find who you are. Wrong chair. Because as soon as you figure out that at the moment 
You accepted Christ into your life as your Savior. You became a son, you became a son or daughter. In that moment, you should know who you are. And it changes everything. I am convinced that the biggest impact of being in the wrong chair is that we have an identity crisis and therefore it produces hard knocks. So we experience hard knocks because we sit in the wrong chair. So let me help you. I said the way that you fix this problem is the same way that you created the problem and that is you change chairs. That's it. That's all you got to do. Here's our issue. We won't assess which chair we're in. I am asking you to slow down over the course of this next few days and weeks and take a real genuine look, an assessment of your life and figure out which chair you're sitting in because I am convinced most of us started there but are now here. We want to enthrone ourselves and it produces pain. Change chairs. We, we, we want to make our choices. When we do, it produces pain. Change chairs. We strive for acceptance that we already have. Change chairs. Let me give you some symptoms real quick because I'm trying to help you. If you're in the wrong chair, I can, I can almost point it out for you because I've lived long enough in that chair to know. Are you ready? Here they are. Here are the symptoms. I'm stressed all the time. Now, I, I, I could take 25 more minutes and give you all the scriptures that says how you're supposed to live where Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But if you're in the wrong chair, you're going to live in stress. How do I know if you're in the wrong chair? Because you will have self-esteem issues. Because you don't know who you are. I am preaching right now. You know how I know you're in the wrong chair? Because you're mad all the time. Easily offended. Angry. Disappointed. Here's another one. Ungrateful. Because now it's about what God hasn't done. Worried about titles. Worried about applause. Worried about success. And what I'm asking you to do. Oh, I'm giving it away. You ready for it? I'm going to mess with you in the last two weeks. I'm just going to give you straight up scripture. I'm just teasing you right here. Here it is. You know how you fix all that? Come to your senses. Though, The Bible folks already know where I'm going. You just got to come to your sense. Your own sense. And go. Why am I living like an orphan? When all I have to do is stand up when I come to my senses and I see the hard knocks of my life. And I just got to go home. And when I get home, 
I live in his love and his provision and his protection and his stamp of approval is on my life and I'm secure in who I am and honestly what you say about me doesn't matter and I can preach the worst message ever preached by a preacher in the history of mankind and go home and sit on my couch and hear my father say this is my son he stunk it up today but I am well pleased I implore you change chairs Father I pray It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.